This is the KintokyoCon Podcast, brought to you by KintokyoCon staff. I'm Sam McGee. All right. Uh, Dang, man. So so much burping. I just I started drinking some Dr. Pepper. Well, that happens, I guess. I'm glad you have Dr. Pepper since it's a shortage. Just saying. <laughs> oh, I found I found three more 12 packs. Oh, do you like the big K like Dr. Pepper? No. <sighs> okay. <laughs> All right. So what we're going to be jumping in today is a lot is going to be very. Um, I would say it's going to be like a kind of like a mini history of what us old men remember of anime and how it's changed over time. So the, the title of this is going to be how anime has changed from VHS to streaming. It's a great it's a it's a great name. I, I do believe so. I, I'm, not, I'm taking credit for it because Doyle made it. But uh, today with us, uh, we are going to have a couple of people in our programming department. We today will have uh, our head of panels at Kentokyo Con. We have Alex. Say hey. Hey, everybody. I'm back for another one. All right. All right. And today also we are joined by uh, another member of the programming department and who has the special title of the specialized generalist. And his name is Doyle. Say hey. Hello. All right. So, yeah, this this uh, this idea came from Doyle. Uh, but basically, we're going to be having a, like, what I was saying is like an old man discussion about how anime has changed over time. From from the days whenever we people had it on the VHS all the way to like where we are now. And I was actually discussing this just the other day with uh, someone talking about like if you're getting to anime now and this is your you're just now jumping into it, then you have you are in luck because it is so easy to find anime streaming like everywhere. And there's just free options out there that are ju- just as good. And it, it's it's. It is like a playground for anybody jumping into anime. So, Dole, we'll start with you. Why don't you give us a little history? How about tell us first how uh, you got into anime? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, geez. Um, okay. Uh, well, how I got into anime was probably 1997 to 1998. I would say I was in, I was flipping through channels. And on syndication, they had a commercial for Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) Now, during this time, it was when Pioneer had the rights to Dragon Ball Z. So it was completely different dubbed cast. Mm -hmm. And it only came on. It wasn't regularly. It was sporadic in an afternoon slot. And this was before Toonami took it, before Cartoon Network started showing. And this was during the same time before Kids WB picked up Pokemon, and they would occasionally show that at 5.30 in the morning on syndication on UPN. Now, I remember this. I remember this as well. And the syndication I remember it from was with... Uh, it was on WGN. I think that was like the like the superstation out of Chicago or something like that. But I remember that. And I remember that horrible situation because I remember they had Dragon Ball Z and they would always show two episodes of Dragon Ball Z every Sunday. So, and, and this was original Dragon Ball Z. This was before Kai. So, you know, each episode was like 30 minutes of sometimes just screaming at each other in one plot point and then move on. It, it, it sucked because, you know, you watch so little bit of Dragon Ball Z and then you're back in and you have to start over again. And <laughs> it sucks so bad. 
Yeah, that's that's always the worst because they did that on Toonami too. And yeah, they did it before they uh, ordered new episodes. And uh, when they ordered it, it was so popular they had to rush out. And that's why, if you guys remember during the Namek saga, when they said, "Oh, new, we're gonna show," it was like one Saturday they showed like eleven new episodes in a row. I believe it was. Oh God, eleven new episodes in a row. Yeah, it was like Dragon Ball. It was called like Z Day. You guys might remember that. I, I, do I don't rem- remember that. I do remember Z Day. I, I did not know what it was, but I do remember Z Day. <laughs> yes, because it was so popular, they uh, needed to rush out because they did not, under any circumstance, want to repeat the arcs again because the, the ratings were so good. They did not want them to dip, so they paid. Uh, I, I believe it was doing it. Maybe been Funimation at the time. They paid them so much money to just do new episodes and they were doing them in such rush. It was like every single day they were recording to get it. That's why for the longest time, we didn't get a repeat until the Garlic Jr. saga when they repeated it seven times or how many times it was. And they just then went forward and just never looked back. And and, um, I don't know if you remember this. Apparently this this ended right before I started anime clubs, but back in the day, what used to happen with anime clubs, whenever it came to finding new anime, because anime, yeah, like you said, besides, besides Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, and even be, and before Pokemon was coming on TV, what anime clubs would have to do is they would have tapes. They would basically mm-hmm. trade between the different college anime clubs of that they had found from, like, either somebody brought it over from Japan, you know, VHS tapes, and they would have to watch it on there. Sometimes they would have subtitles, but a lot of times what would happen is they would have to print out the script, and you would have to read along the script as you're watching the show. And <laughs> it's like, that takes a lot of passion to be enjoying that kind of median right there. That uh, literally sounds horrible <laughs> to have to read a script along with the show. Yeah. Like dubbing was barely a thing back then. It was like, it was barely a thing that, a, a, that happened. I do remember like seeing the ads on late night TV for like Akira, whenever it's like, it's like, watch the new hit, this crazy psychological thing from Japan. Ah! That was that was literally the sound that happened at the end of it. But it was like it, it was so hard to find anything at all. That's insane. Can, sorry, uh, I can remember VHS because stores back in the day, every even grocery stores had video stores like Winn Dixie and Kroger, and there was so many of them like Red Giraffe, Blockbuster, Hollywood Video. I can remember getting anime when they would have on sale because there was so much VHSs around. Anime wasn't super popular, so that was one of the first things to go on sale or in the bargain bin. Now, you're hitting on something that happened in the early 2000s, what right there, is that as like uh, DVDs started becoming really popular and a lot of companies started pushing out... Um, they started pushing out a lot of DVDs out there for people to buy and stuff. And what started to happen, like you said, anime started getting pushed to the bargain bins a lot. And uh, basically what happened in those early 2000s is the big um, uh, it's I can't remember what they called it, but basically it was like a loss in sales. Basically, like all these companies are buying up anime like, oh, people will love this stuff because they haven't seen it before. But then what was happening is they'd be sending it back like Walmart buy a ton. They send it back, you know, these big uh these big uh, stores like um, 
uh, Sam Goody. Uh, like that, that was one of them that, you know, like FYE before it was F what it is now were electronic stores selling tapes and DVDs and they would couldn't sell anime because it's hard to sell that to begin with. And they would have to send it back to distributors, knocking out whole anime distributing companies here in America because they had all this merchandise. So sent back and they can't do anything with it. They've, they can't sell it. And so it was basically the, uh, the anime DVD bust. And then that happened around the time that I went into college. I remember that time. And, and that was during the time that, um, the first wave of pirating became big where, you know, uh, you could get go on to the live uh, was it LimeWire and all those different things. And that's how you had to <laughs> that became how you got anime is that you would have to download it directly from there. And that was the days of fan subbing. Does people everybody here? A lot of people probably remember fan subbing days like the terrible yellow tint they used. Well, well, I was going to point something out. There's a real movement right now to move back to that because of like Crunchyroll policies and things like that. Well, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves right there, but that does kind of tie into, you know, you know, a bit of what happened with that, too, is that, you know, the streaming, this this like the streaming stuff came later. But before the like before that, people were just downloading direct stuff to places. You know, they were basically like, here, we're going to download stuff, download this stuff right here. But I remember back, uh, you know, it was around that time as well. You could literally put everything on YouTube. Like, every, I remember watching so much anime on YouTube in chunks of three, just like the... <laughs> Because you could still, you couldn't get in trouble for that yet. So, like, entire stuff would be on YouTube, and that was really the start of that. And Crunchyroll in the beginning was an illegal. Um, I wouldn't say, yeah, it kind of was illegal, but it was a, a, a streaming site for anime that they've just found, and eventually they started going legit over a long period of time. Hell, I can remember uh, when Dragon Ball Z would release weekly through, I believe. Uh, uh, about the Android saga, maybe in Garlic Jr., they would release a D, uh, VHS every week, and I would go to Target and get it for ten dollars every single week. Now, see, I, I didn't get a lot of VHSs, which is why like Toonami and Adult Swim were so important for me, especially um, because my first exposure was Toonami with like Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon and um, you know Ronin Warriors, and then at that time, right you didn't really put it together that it was like a Japanese product. It just seemed like another action show, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think adult. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Sam. I, I was just going to jump in there where you're saying, and I felt like that whenever Pokemon first came out, because Pokemon was like, I didn't realize it to a lot later that Pokemon was a Japanese thing. I thought, Oh, Pokemon. Oh, this cool, interesting thing for kids, you know, but it was a Japanese product and it was just like, wow. It's like, really? That's what this is. Well, they, they went through their best to make us believe it was donuts. Mm, Donuts. (laughs) Mm, donuts. uh, Well, speaking back to think about American product, I can remember my dad talking about speed racer. And then only learning when I got older that, oh, that was an anime. And they did the actually the same thing with Ronin Warriors, because I can remember at six years old having a Ronin Warriors toy. But they did it in such syndication that only when you got older, you realize, oh, this is anime compared to, oh, that was anime. Yeah, because at the time, they just kind of showed it alongside everything else. So it just kind of blended in. Yeah, same way with like they did with Robotech. 
Yeah, Robotech. Yeah, Robotech was like Macross that they put it, and there's still. And I remember actually not too long ago telling somebody, "Is like, hey, yeah, did you know Robotech was actually a mixture with like an anime called Macross?" They're like, "What? That wasn't an American thing." I was like, "No." <laughs> and and that's what to me made Adult Swim so important, right? Because Adult Swim showed anime that could not blend in. Yeah, Inuyasha could not blend in. Trigun could not blend in. Even Cowboy Bebop really could not blend in. And it, and it was so important and pivotal into getting you to understand this is anime. This is not just a cartoon. I I really think that was like the big start of getting mainstream kind of appeal, right? Also another weird thing is during that time animation went through a lot of different changes like there was several studios that went out like Hanna-Barbera went out of business uh I believe it was Ralph basic the guy who did uh Fritz the Cat his studio his studio went under just because they switched because it was so expensive to do animation in America that they switched to Japan I mean that's how Thundercats was done is they shipped it overseas and then dubbed it back over here well it's gotten to the point where and this gets back to a current day topic, though, and I'll try not to harp on it too long. But I personally hate the way Western animation looks right now. Just this mass produced as cheap as possible. You know, shovel it out kind of animation. It just doesn't look good to me. And I understand that's a personal, you know, subjective point. But anime just looks so much more in depth, really. Especially Blu-rays when they kind of touch everything up which is something else we don't see in western animation is any touch-ups yeah that that is a big thing that you see a lot more uh and you know that used that's that's always been a thing in in uh, japanese anime uh but you know they did the touch-ups later in the releases of the dvds and you know well and the vhs's as well they they basically like yeah we had to finish this really fast so here's some stuff we changed hey it's a special edition so pay a lot of money for it and let's remember too that back then and still today as well um Blu-rays, DVDs, VHS cost a lot in Japan because you are paying a huge premium for that stuff. And that's really how those companies make their money is is through that. Uh, like, like I was saying, like now we're starting into the streaming days. And so you they're starting to actually make money from that. Well, I, I argue that, you know, it was like that here for a long time, too, though, with anime. Like, I remember going into Suncoast and how expensive anime was at Suncoast. It was not cheap. <laughs> I, I want to say at the time, maybe a Cowboy Bebop DVD. And, and you got to think this was early 2000s was maybe $40. Yeah, that and that that was and that was like for one DVD with maybe three or four episodes on it, like we mentioned before. <laughs> yeah, like it wasn't a lot. And, and it really got you to understand like, oh, my God, like. This is pretty expensive. <laughs> so even around this time, as all the DVD places are closing down, you know, and the blockbusters are starting to go away, which, yes, blockbuster was a thing, youngins. <laughs> but like as that's starting to happen, like um, streaming stuff actually starts becoming a thing. I remember Hulu uh, when it first came around and all of a sudden they had 
all kinds of anime on there. I'm like, why do they have all this anime? Because they were basically because the companies were giving it to Hulu for free. But that's also when Hulu was entirely free. Like you can go on there and watch stuff and it just pop up ads every so often on there. So it was like 100 percent free. And the way that Hulu originally worked, and I think it partially still does, is that uh, if you put your if you put your content onto Hulu, uh, then basically whatever ads play, you get partial part of the revenue from those ads that are playing uh, on Hulu. So basically, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we'll just give you all this content. And if somebody happens to be watching it, then we get paid a paycheck for just being seen. So uh, and in the beginning of Hulu and a lot of these streaming places, that was that was good because it was better than nothing. It was better than just having like DVDs not happening, not being sold. So a few extra bucks here and there was a big thing. But now with the Netflix uh, being a bigger thing, whenever they started streaming and with all these other ones now and Crunchyroll being a big player in it, they're actually paying license fees that are pretty large and exclusivity uh, licenses as well, which means that streaming is now going to, it's not a one place like it used to. It used to be all these different places had pretty much everything. Now they're starting to segment again uh, and also getting harder to find. It's still not the $40 DVD for three movies, but, you know, it's still pulling the wallet for people. Yeah. the Another big thing, too, back in those days was they had catalogs. I have one pulled up right now, and as an example, Gale Force New Era 1 and 2, the suggested retail price is $30. Now, there's the kicker. The runtime one is fifty minutes and the other one is forty nine minutes, and that's so like fifty dollars a piece. Oh my! Oh no, sorry, it's thirty dollars a piece. But uh, each each one's runtime is like fifty minutes, oh, not okay. even an hour. Oh my gosh! So, so oh man, oh. and I don't know. I mean, that gets into a, another point, though, right? When we're talking about DVD prices or, or any media where you can replay it, and granted, I, I understand the replayability and, and how many times you might watch it is overrated, which is why video rental stores were so big back in the day. But the price of a movie ticket today is what, $12? Like pre-COVID, well, yeah. right? Like if you're yeah. going to go watch a movie, you're talking 12 to $15. And that's just to watch it once. Yeah. And, and I feel like, you know, us here, uh, we, we uh, Americans have been spoiled for a long time because stuff was, you know, so cheap. You know, it's like, oh, pay, pay for this DVD. It's like, oh, man, it's a and you can rewatch it. But it's like it was, it's cheap compared to other places. And now it, you got the extra factor of like, hey, I can just stream this day whenever I want. Do I want to purchase that? And, you know, a lot of people will probably be like, yeah, you kind of want to have that thing so you can watch it whenever it eventually does fall offline, which everything eventually does <laughs> or moves to another platform you then have to pay for oh yes yes uh, and it goes into network or like the problems we're having now when stuff goes into netflix jail it's like oh if i want to watch this i gotta wait till netflix decides to release it it's like come on guys well well that goes back into kind of what i was saying at the beginning too is that people are getting fed up with having to own five six seven streaming services to watch what they want to watch it's it's getting back to the point where people are going to just watch it another way. 
Mm-hmm. And and for anybody listening to this, as we are an anime convention is a part of our what we do, we do not suggest anybody people go to these other ways. There is plenty of ways to get your anime, uh, but it, there are there is a segment of people that are going to other ways. You know, they're they're pirating, which I always say, you know, I understand why people pirate for stuff. And now like, for instance, back whenever uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure first came out, the first season of it, you could not watch that anywhere. You like, it was not licensed anywhere at all. So the only way you could find it was through illegal. So three illegal ways. It wasn't until like season two came out is whenever you could actually have it out there. Uh, So, and I, which, which is sad, but you know, they, they need to stop making this stuff ha- so hard to get, especially cause we're in a medium that is already, you know, it's very niche to begin with and it's slowly becoming mainstream, but it shouldn't be this hard for you to find the good stuff like this and, you know, find a lot of it. And it's, it's hurt. It, I, it's sad that it hurts them, but you know, that their businesses and that's what they're trying to do. Oh, well, to be fair though, recently and and other way doesn't always mean illegally toei and a few other companies are talking about starting a, a youtube channel just for some of their backlog oh that's cool that will just be openly uh, available so the big five like toei animation uh what is it there's it's a bunch of them they have hey, all got together and decided hang to on i can pull it up channel. yeah if they just announced it what like maybe three weeks ago something like that yeah it's it's very recent well, that's cool. And is are they just going to have it like free for people to just watch any of those different shows now? Yeah, it's free on YouTube. You just go to the YouTube channel because they said they're tired of paying streamers for it and rights and everything and not getting anything back. They said they would rather use their old catalogs and put the whole thing up there to at least get some YouTube revenue. Because if not, they're just setting their hands on licensing that they no one wants. Because nobody wants to pay for it. Because there's so much anime that comes out every year between all the companies. They said, well, we're just sitting on our hands with this old stuff, not making any money. Might as well at least make something out of it. Yeah, and that, that was the originally, you know, the thing with Hulu that I was saying is that Hulu was basically like, oh, if some people watch it, then, yeah, you'll get some ad revenue. But uh, unless somebody watches that old catalog, you're not getting much. You'll get a few cents here and there, but you're not getting a few dollars here and there, but you're not going to get much from it. Yeah, so I, I actually have the article here. So basically the headline is Japanese studios team up to launch free anime streaming YouTube channel, anime log 30 Japanese animation studios have joined forces in order to launch anime log. This will be a YouTube channel that allows users to stream various anime titles free of charge. That, that um, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's preaching the gospel is what it is. <laughs> The channel currently holds licenses for content produced by Shin A Animation, Doraemon. Um, they also own licenses to Astro Boy, Blackjack, Hunter Hunter, Case Closed, Pokemon, Ghost in the Shell, Dragon Ball, uh, the original, and uh, One Piece as well. Wow. That, that's 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 cool. That is a lot of good classic stuff that people can still watch, you know, and get to reminisce what we saw. But you, again, it's like back in the day when we had the few episodes we can have, and now we're to the age of watch what you want when you want to watch it. <laughs> well, I, I just think it goes to show that, you know, Crunchyroll isn't as good as a lot of people make it out to be for these companies. I mean, it is. I mean, it is all the different companies or companies, and they're looking out for themselves. Has a much, 
as Correct, opposed yeah. as opposed to the the creators and that's always been a, a problem with all these mediums and that's always been a problem with uh, TV in general so I, I mean I I agree that I agree that they're not going to be that they're not the best but I, what I do appreciate them and I appreciate Crunchyroll especially uh, is that they are working their butts off to get exposure for this thing that we love so more people can see it so that more of this product can happen. Which which is I which is a benefit <laughs> for me, so I can watch more anime. I mean, I mean, I think you could argue that all the streaming services do that, though, right? So it's not just Crunchyroll; it's Amazon Prime, it's Hulu, it's Netflix, who has their own anime series. Um, you you know, I I just have a problem with kind of this de facto status quo of just saying Crunchyroll. Hey, I, 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 yeah, I agree. And you should you should definitely uh, you should definitely look in other places. You shouldn't just use country. I agree that you shouldn't just pick one by itself. You know, you should find what what's uh, you should really go out there and figure out the best stuff, you know, get get suggestions from people and go out there and find uh, it, it yourself. You don't, yeah, you don't have to go to Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll is trying to be the Amazon of anime and just have it all in one place. Uh, I mean, that's a strategy. So, <laughs> but yeah, there is yeah. plenty of, there's plenty of options. Funimation's giving them a run for their money by building a library. High dives trying to do something as well. Amazon took a backseat. Uh, Netflix, I feel like is actually trying to do some different things, but we will, that that's a, uh, uh, yet to be seen and then you know um more stuff will happen so and, and honestly at the end of the day right the the most direct way to support any anime you really like is to buy the physical media yes you yeah. know yeah you physical media is gonna be is gonna help a lot of ways for people and like and merch for it too official merch as well because that goes directly to the production companies as well yeah official merch official you know things like figures yeah, look out um, for the look out for the bootleg because they are out there and they are pretty horrendous. We <laughs> yeah. actually found one at the uh, at that big Kentucky yard sale thing. What? Oh, that sounds. We cool. found we found a bootleg anime figure and he wanted like real price for it. <laughs> did you did you talk him down so you can have it in your room and just be like, you see that right there? That's some ugly bootleg right there. I tried and he wasn't having it, dude. Ah, it sad. was it was the worst bootleg I've ever seen. It was um, C two from you know Code Geass. Yeah, yeah. But but on the box, it said that it was. Um, why can I not think of his name right now? The main character it said Lelouch on it. Yeah, it said it was Lelouch <laughs> Lamprouge, but it's obviously C two. Oh, that's great. That's that's funny. We've gone all the way from the beginning, us old men talking about our VHS and the broadcast days to talking about streaming where it is and, you know, what's going to be happening. So uh, start with you, Alex. Any closing remarks about uh, where, where we've been and where we're going? Yeah, Suncoast was the greatest store in history and it should come <laughs> back. Bring back Suncoast. Give me I, I just want it to come back because every store was dark as like anything it was the darkest store ever you might as well be using a flashlight to look at the dvds but it was great <laughs> bring back suncoast that, that, that. that that's great great doll closing remarks uh kids today need to be very thankful that they never had to go through the troubles of laser disc or they had to stop mid uh movie or mid episode take it out flip it over and then stick it back in 
<laughs> oh gosh, I didn't even know that. Oh my god. Oh man. Uh so yeah, all all I have to say is that you kids are lucky. You didn't have to watch Dragon Ball Z one Sunday at a time. And, and <laughs> oh gosh. All right. So thanks guys for coming for this conversation. It's been lots of fun. And uh all right, we'll see y'all next time. Bye. The KentokyoCon podcast is brought to you by the staff of KentokyoCon. Edited and moderated by KentokyoCon head of staff, Sam McGee. The views presented in this podcast are of the individuals and not the views and opinions of KentokyoCon. Theme music created by the talented Twirling Curtis. Thanks, man. Special thanks to our guest and thanks to you, the listener, for continuing to support the Kentucky anime community.